0: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. It is All Saints Day around the Christian world. It's a day in which we remember the saints who have gone before and who are now with the Lord in heaven. A little bit of East Tennessee hillbilly wisdom that my dad offered me when I was a kid came, well, I've always been a kid, when I was a child. When I was much younger, my dad said, well, Reggie, <clears throat> you know the one thing that you can know for sure if you see a turtle on top of a fence post? And I go, oh, well, I don't know, Dad, what? I said, that turtle didn't get up there by himself. So this is why I never start sermons with jokes. But really… A turtle doesn't get on a fence top, fence post, without somebody putting him up there. And on All Saints Day, it's worth considering how it is that we're sitting on top of a fence post and looking around at the world and saying, it looks mighty fine from up here. We didn't put ourselves up here. We were put here by people who came before us. And so I thought today would be a good time to take stock of a few lessons that we have received from the great cloud of of saints, the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. First, on All Saints Day, in year A, the year of Matthew, that's this year, we celebrate meeting Jesus in Matthew's Beatitudes, the gospel read today. Blessed are the poor in spirit, et cetera. It's a lesson that comes to us from a, from a pretty elite group of saints, the so-called desert fathers and mothers of the first few centuries of the church. In the first few centuries after Christ, the desert fathers and mothers imitated Jesus' pilgrimage into the wilderness. Ground zero, of course, was Jerusalem, and so monks started going outside the city of Jerusalem and living in clusters while they sought to get to know the Lord better. Another uh, center was outside of Alexandria, Egypt. Another in Damascus, Syria. And it's almost as though they had heard the sermon that Canon Bales offered last week about Psalm, Psalm 1, where Psalm 1 goes, blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but sits by the stream. And he, he let us know that the word that is translated blessed there is really more like happy. Well, and so the, the happy life is, is that life. It so happens that Jesus uses the same word in the words of the Sermon on the Mount. Happy are the poor in spirit happy are those who mourn happy are the meek and so it it's almost as though these early saints had heard Cannonball's homily last week about happiness awaiting you if you abandon the companionship of the wicked and park yourself beside the stream of life They left the bustle and temptations of cities and sought the quiet refuge of the desert. And they noticed that not only Psalm 1, but the Beatitudes of Jesus promised the same thing, happiness. And they thought that they would find that happiness out there on retreat from the world and worldliness, leaving the temptations of the world behind, or so they thought. They could humbly Mournfully and meekly pray for the needs of people back in the world. They could pursue righteousness, freedom from enslavement to the fleshly appetites of greed, gluttony, and lust. They were the holiest people of their day. What they discovered was that they were proud of their holiness. They discovered how easy it was to be consumed by envy when they perceived one of their brethren to be closer to God. They thought they had left the world and its temptations, the lust of the eyes, the pride of the flesh, back in the city. But they found that they had brought it all with them in their hearts. And that is how Christ came to find them in the wilderness. They found the Beatitudes bringing Christ to them. The one who is, as Canon Bales reminded us last week, the way, the truth, and the life. And what they did was they thought long and hard about the sinfulness that they found within. And they are the ones who gave us the vocabulary of the seven deadly sins, pride, envy, anger, sloth, gluttony, Greed, I have a hard time with that one, greed and lust, because they found Jesus coming to meet them through the Beatitudes in the midst of those sins. And so, for instance, when they admitted that their pride did not make them happy, and I don't know about you, I don't know a single happy, prideful person because every proud person lives in fear of being displaced by somebody with more to be proud of. Piety, beauty, smarts, talent. I wish I could say I didn't know this from experience, but I do. When they are m- admitted their pride, they found Christ whispering. I did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but I humbled myself to come for the likes of you. Now, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. It's too big a burden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. In the Beatitudes that we read today, The desert fathers and mothers found Jesus meeting them, offering his poverty of spirit for their pride, his mourning over their lostness for their envy, his meekness for for their anger, his hunger and thirst after God's kingdom for their sloth, for their getting to that point where they just, I don't care, his food being doing the will of God for their gluttony, his having become poor to pay sin's price for their greed, his purity of heart for their lusts. Which takes us to our second lesson. On all saints, we celebrate new life in our baptism. In just a few minutes, and really it's just a few minutes, we'll be baptizing three little ones, uh, Braden, Levi, and Jacob welcomed them into God's family. And here, in talking about baptism, it is C.S. Lewis, the English professor in the 20th century, probably the greatest Anglican theologian of the 20th century. It's C.S. Lewis who's our teacher in the undragoning of the little boy Eustace in the book The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. The desert fathers and mothers found Jesus with them with them in the struggle against sin, rather like Aslan in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Aslan is C.S. Lewis's Christ figure. He's a big old lion who shows up when people are in urgent need. And if you know the story, you recall that the boy Eustace had been transformed into a dragon by his greed and pride. Finally, repentant and regretful, Eustace starts peeling off layers of his dragon skin, but despite his best efforts, he remains a dragon until Aslan, the lion Christ figure, takes a claw, doink, and cuts deep, painfully deep, all the way through the dragon skin and peels the whole skin off. It's then that Aslan picks up Eustace and plunges him into a deep pool of water. At first, the water hurts the skinless Eustace. But soon enough, he's joyfully splashing around. And he realizes that not only is he no longer a dragon, he's a little boy again. And then Aslan dresses him with new clothes and sends him back to his friends. This is what the saints, from the Desert Fathers and Mothers to C.S. Lewis, teach us about our baptism. It is our undragoning, the washing away of an old nature, the cleansing from sin, the beginning of a journey of taking the likeness of our Savior on, from his humility, meekness, and peacemaking, to his hunger and thirst for all that is right, to his purity of heart. And that takes us to our third lesson. On all saints, we celebrate the end of the journey of the baptismal life for the saints who've gone before. You know, the Bible doesn't say very much about heaven, that waiting place for those who have gone to sleep in the Lord and are waiting, along with the rest of us, for the day of resurrection. To be absent from the body, says Paul, is to be present with the Lord. Those are comforting words. At the same time, Hebrews writes of a great cloud of witnesses, and John portrays the martyrs crying out, Lord, how long? Words suggesting that the departed are still invested in what's happening down here. Our passage today talks about saints robed in white, palm branches in hands, and worshiping day and night. But there's a lot of detail that's missing. And a lot of people like to f- try to fill in the details with streets paved with gold, and saints not just having robes, but angel, wings like angels, and, and hymn books. But, but I think it's Dante from the fourth century, 14th century, who provides the most helpful picture for those of us still here thinking about loved ones who've gone ahead of us into heaven. And that's part of what we do on All Saints Day. Dante begins the Purgatorio. That's volume two of his three-volume Divine Comedy. He begins the Purgatorio, which is really about life here on Earth for those who have been saved from the hell of volume one and are on the journey to the heaven of volume three. Dante begins the purgatorio with a baptism of cleansing from hell's grime. Then he pictures the whole of the baptized life as a gradual journey up a seven-story mountain where each beatitude replaces one of the seven deadly sins. And then there is one final baptism at the end of this earthly pilgrimage, and that is our physical death. Remember, Jesus referred to his own physical death as a baptism that he was going to undergo. Friends, we too go through a baptism of death. In today's reading, the book of Revelation puts it in terms of having washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Accordingly, very creatively, Dante imagines that washing in the blood, our death, as a swimming across two rivers. One of those rivers is named forgetfulness. The other river is named Goodness of mind. Today, even as we celebrate new life in this baptism, many of us will stand in the columbarium or in the memorial garden or at a graveside. Some of us will weep. Maybe we'll just think and remember. Maybe we'll regret things said or not said, things done or not done. But friends, what Dante would have us do, even, as, even in our sadness about those who are no longer here, is to offer thanks And I think that's an amen. And I think he's right. Thanks that our spouses, parents, children, friends have crossed those last rivers of baptism. They are in a place of forgetfulness of the pain. They are where there is no sickness, any suffering, Any sighing. As our passage from the Revelation says today, they will hunger no more, thirst no more, the sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. And God has wiped away every tear from their eyes. They are beyond the pain, and they are beyond regret. For there they have what Dante calls goodness of mind, confirmation in the Lord's favor, and in all that is true and noble, just and pure, excellent and admirable. Unlike for us, for them, there is no more temptation to I woulda, I coulda, I shoulda. Only as Psalm 34, 5 says, freedom from all shame, and a, and a reflected radiance that comes from looking upon the Lord. Brothers and sisters, have hope. Be encouraged. And may we, this day and every day after, until we join them, may we live confidently, boldly, Humbly and joyfully in anticipation of that great day when baptism's journey is complete for all of us. When, as we sang earlier today, there breaks a more glorious day. The saints' triumphant rise in bright array and the King of glory passes on his way. Alleluia. Alleluia. Amen. Amen.